Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Eight minutes before Joe Millionaire. <laughs> I love you. Eight minutes. T minus eight minutes. Oh my God. Um, thank you. I love you for being aware of that. Sorry, my cat just entered the chat. Come on in, Luna. What you gotta say? Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Gilmore to Say with Tara and Haley. I'm Tara. This is Haley. Hi, Haley. Hi, Tara. Um, I just wanted to let you know that I think that we have to stop doing this podcast after the Gilmore Girls episode that I watched last night. Why is that? Because they insulted Jessica Simpson. Yeah, and we can't have that. We can't have that. How did they insult Jessica Simpson? I forget which episode it was, but it's beginning. Um, Rory and Lorelai are walking into Luke's diner and they are quoting something that Jessica Simpson said. And to be fair, Jessica Simpson said a lot of really dumb things very publicly whether it was on Nick and Jess, the TV show, or just in general, we don't always say the smartest things. And that is true of Jessica Simpson, but they were making fun of her. And they said something along the lines that like, why did Roy get eaten by his tiger, but not Jessica Simpson? Like, why did Jessica Simpson get to live? And I was like, why would you say that about my girl, Jessica? Oh, we love Jessica Simpson in this house on this pod. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, well, why would they know? Because we didn't. Why would we, they know? We didn't include it in the podcast. <laughs> right before we recorded our Valentine's Day episode a couple weeks ago, Haley and I did a deep dive into the lyrics of the 2003 smash hit "With You" by Jessica Simpson. <laughs> And um, Haley posed an excellent question, which was, she tells us at the beginning of the song that the real Mm -hmm. her is a Southern girl with her Levi's on and an open heart. an open heart. But then in the chorus, she goes on to say, with nothing but a t-shirt on, I've never felt so beautiful. So who's the real her? Now that I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what I realized after that conversation? Maybe it's not so much that it's that the real her is a Southern girl with her Levi's on and an open heart, but she feels really beautiful with nothing but a t-shirt on. It's it's about real versus beautiful. But does she not feel like herself in both scenarios? What happened to her pants and when did she get a shirt? And this is why this is why we're giving up Gilmore Girls and we're going to just simply (laughs) dissect the lyrics of Jessica Simpson. Hey, was the beginning of that episode, were they talking about she looked better with the dark hair? Was that the episode where they were arguing about her hair color? Oh, I don't remember because I literally watched that clip of it. The episode started because I had watched the episode before. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was in season four. Mm. And I literally switched episodes. I was like, you're not going to talk about my girl Jessica like that. How dare. How absolutely dare. So just so you guys know, if anybody comments Jessica Simpson slander on our Instagram post or in our DMs. I guess we can can continue the podcast reluctantly. Yeah, but we will block you. Yeah, don't, you know, Amy Sherman Palladino, I'm coming for you. Like, that was really rude of you to write that into the show. Uh Uh-oh. It was nice. Anyway. And on that note, we're going to go back to weekly episodes as of today. As of today, we're back. So we will go back to having an episode every Tuesday as of today, and we will have a new episode again next Tuesday. Oh, we can't wait. We're back. Everyone was wanting uh, more content, and hopefully this is the content that you wanted, which was us not talking about Jessica Simpson 
is us talking about Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. And on that note, last week we sort of left off on a really, really interesting topic after talking about daddies. We were talking about mm-hmm. daddy issues, fathers and daughters. A lot of our conversation was about Rory Gilmore and how she was a lot more like her dad than her mom. Or maybe she's more like her dad than people give her credit for, right? Her relationship with her father has impacted her more than people give it credit for. Yeah. A lot of people attribute too many of her qualities to Lorelai, not enough on how Christopher impacted her. Yeah, and we got on the topic of a lot of the father figures in her life, namely Richard, Mm -hmm. who is a character we haven't really talked about much. And also, to that end, we haven't really talked about Emily that much. I know. For me, that's one of my favorite couples on the show. As much as I like him like a Dave Rogowski stan, my favorite couple on the show is Richard and Emily. Oh, I love them so much. The arc that their relationship takes, like every moment of them, I love it. I know. What what are some of your favorite your favorite Richard Emily moments? <sighs> I know. I know that's a All loaded question. <laughs> Um, of course, I think that, well, I say of course, but then like nine instantly popped up as number one in my head. But the one that like always comes to mind when I think of like my favorite Richard and Emily moment is in the hospital and forgiveness and stuff in season one when she's like demanding that he not die and promises her that she can go first because she can't live without. I'm literally. <laughs> I know. Um, I know. She makes him promise that she could go first. And ultimately, as we know, um, due to the circumstances of real life they had to write into the show that Richard passed before Emily did. Do you think that they would have done that if he hadn't passed away? Oh I don't know I never really considered that I wonder if the writers would have would have Uh, I mean I don't know that a death would have been written into the show without sadly the passing of Ed Herman but I wonder if it had. That is true we didn't lose any in this drama we didn't really lose any characters. Well with the exception Um, of Gran. Yeah Gran. And Fran. Wow they just really just. Gran and Fran just just wiped them out. The ants they wiped them out. never noticed that oh I my didn't gosh either until this moment um Fran yep. and Gran oh and who was the who was the other guy who passed who was um Stan um, and Stan, Stan. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> well we caught on to that wow oh Gran man. and Fran and Stan right, well or... ASP we see you we see you yeah. we hear you we feel you all the ants yeah. wow Gran Fran and Stan all dead <laughs> <laughs> Haley, all dead. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's rare for a TV show, especially a drama, Mm. to not have like a prominent character death that doesn't like surround the circumstances of real life needing to write them out of the show. Yeah. Just thinking of like all my favorite TV shows, like other ones that I watch regularly, like Downton Abbey and Grey's Anatomy, like they're always writing deaths in. Like Mm. there's someone who dies every season. And it is like very much like a natural part of life. So that is interesting that they've never explored that that the only reason that they did was because of again like the circumstances of real life like rest in peace Ed Herman but I don't know if they would have done that to Emily's where Emily's storyline even would have gone in the revival without having that big change in her life oh I know and we'll talk about that another time because we have so much more to say about the revival and also Emily's journey but yeah but at the end of the day that moment in the hospital like that's high high up there for me oh me too me too it's What's so funny fave? because my favorite and least favorite moment is it's different for both but 
but both of them involve them fighting. Yeah. My favorite moment between Richard and Emily is is in season five, episode one, Say Goodbye to Daisy Miller, when they get back from the test run at the inn and they're in that fight and she thinks that he's locked her in the basement. And so she climbs out the window and she takes off her skirt and then she's just completely pantsless. (laughs) She is wearing nothing but sheer black pantyhose. She's just totally pantsless. And then the police show up. That is my favorite moment where he's like, don't you climb out that window? And she's like, I'm climbing out the window. (laughs) And I just love her. I love the two of them so much in that moment. And what I also love about that moment is it's sort of like a callback to Lorelai climbing out the window. Yeah. Like mother, like daughter. We never really see a lot of moments where Emily and Lorelai are as similar as, you know, other other parallels in the show. But that moment for me is so amazing because it's so out of character and it sort of, you know, launches us into this season where we see a completely different side to Richard and Emily's relationship. Yeah. So that for me, I think is my favorite moment. What's your least favorite? My least favorite moment is from uh, Ted Koppel's Big Night Out when they're at the Yale game. Yeah. And when she starts to put the pieces together that he's been talking to Penelin Lott and has been meeting her for lunch every year since they got married. Every year. That would have gutted me. Yeah. Like that for me when Richard said that I was like, what were you thinking? What the fuck? And this wasn't just like a friend that Emily didn't like. This was someone he was engaged to. Yes. As we learn. I will say to your, I guess, least favorite moment. There is, for me, I don't have a least favorite Emily and Richard moment simply because, as I've said many, many times, my favorite thing on the show is like the heartbreak and the drama. Yeah, you love the conflict. I love conflict. Yeah. Which is weird because I hate conflict in my real life. I know. So it's just, you know, it's cathartic for me. Yeah. But I love when they're in conflict because watching Ed Herman and Kelly Bishop in a fight is so, is so great. Oh, yeah. I think that some of their fights are some of the best moments for them. And there are some moments in like the other couples that really make me cringe and I just don't like them. Yeah. But I feel like with Richard and Emily's storyline, that was the most well handled and best written Mm storyline from Amy Sherman Palladino and of course the other writers on the show that even them in times of conflict, which also lends to the fact that Kelly and Edward are such incredible actors, Mm -hmm. that every scene with them just feels so like delicious and well done and just the blocking of them the delivery of the lines like everything that they bring to the show even like the worst parts of their storyline feel like the best to me because it's just so well done I think that that is also attributed to the fact that they were friends off screen they had known each other off screen I think they had both won Tony awards Tony's in the same year in the same year I believe it was in the 70s sometime and yeah there's a picture of them which is fantastic we'll post it on our Instagram yeah we'll have to I think that that's why their dynamic is so strong it's sort of the same way that people speak to Rory and Jess's dynamic in season two and three because oh, yes. Milo and Alexis were dating off screen so could you imagine could I imagine dating Milo and Demilia? Um I have <laughs> since the age of 12 yes yeah had a couple dreams about that one even as a team Logan girly yeah of course you did who could not have dreams about that man who <laughs> On that note, <laughs> I do I do really think that the way that they are on screen is a testament to how well connected they were in real life because not yeah. only are they incredible actors, but they played off of each other so well. They yeah. played that so perfectly because you could tell that they had such a deep backstory and they talk about it in 
the show. Yeah. Which is, is so interesting because I never really clocked in until I started watching your TikToks. Obviously, we know that they talk about the way that they met, but I didn't really pay attention mm-hmm. to the way that they spoke about it until I yeah. started watching your TikToks. So I feel like you know the story between the two of them very well. So let's talk, yeah. let's like break that down. Let's break that timeline down of like if we were to have an Emily Richard prequel, you know, what would yeah. it show us? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people misattribute them meeting as students at Yale because they don't say exactly when they met or how they met. But Emily was a student at Smith because, yes, girls did not go to Yale at the time that Richard was a student at Yale. It was an all boys school because fuck the patriarchy. Right. Because the 50s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Smith was a sister school to Yale. So, of course, she went there and she talks about like her girlfriends would drive her to Yale, but they don't give like a specific meeting moment or like how they met. Or at least that I could remember or find when I tried to like scour the internet, like how exactly their meeting took place, which is why I'd be so interested in a prequel. When someone brought that up on my TikTok, I lost myself, especially yeah, I because your TikTok about it. Yeah, especially because Amy Sherman Palladino is the writer on uh, and the creator of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which I feel yeah. a prequel series about Emily and Richard would be very much. Yeah. Very marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I know. And that's that's kind of what like bothers me because I feel like she would not do another 1950s show where she like marries Gilmore Girls and Maisel where it's like a 1950s college show, mm-hmm. which like I'd watch the fuck out of that, Amy. So like feel free to make that happen for us because like especially with Richard and Emily because th- we really get a lot of the background of their romance in Let the Games Begin mm-hmm. in season three where they kind of like hoodwink Roar into going to Yale or rather I should say Richard I was gonna say that is another conflict moment between Emily and Richard because she is also blindsided yeah because he bamboozled them into this like oh I'm going to Yale you guys should come I want to show you things and they end up going to the dean of admission he's like oh it's my friend I you know I called him right before I got here and he might want to talk to you to get her to want to go to Yale but while they're walking around they're reminiscing and this is where you find out that Richard has a bit of a past as a playboy And he did um, the frown, step back, wrinkle, and sigh when he would take the girls to the gallery and talk about the colors of Titian and have them melting in his hands by the end of it. And so I think seeing that play out in a prequel would be so, oh my God, so delicious, so great. I would love to see a hot version of young Richard. Oh, I would watch the hell out of that. Like I said, we don't really find out exactly how they met, but we find out how their relationship kind of went down, which is that Richard was with Penelin Lott. But do you do you remember that he calls her Lenny Lott? Yeah. He goes, Lenny Lott. And I think she says, that mouse... What's interesting is she seems surprised. And this is where the writing of Gilmore Girls for me sometimes gets like a little wonky. Like when they said Gran was dead, but she's not actually... Then she becomes a full-blown character and we actually see yeah. her die. Because she, she seems surprised by that. She's like, you were engaged to her? I don't know if Emily was surprised that they were engaged or if she was surprised that like Richard was with this woman. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've always seen that as like Emily doesn't want to like in the 40 years I guess at this point they've been married for 38 years because it's season three and their 40th wedding anniversary is in season five right that she's kind of like mentally rewritten the beginning of their story because as the lore goes one of her friends drove her to one of Richard's frat parties at Yale from Smith and she was wearing a blue dress and she had shown up and basically been like it's me or her to Richard and as we know because that's the story he picked Emily and left Penelope and I think it's one of those things of like Emily kind 
of just like conveniently forgets the fact that like she was the other woman because Lorelai is like you were the other woman and she was like she says this is ridiculous and Lorelai goes another woman should be saying this is ridiculous because Emily's denying that they were engaged and he was like invitations had gone out I had given her my pin <laughs> yeah and so like she'd been introduced to his parents and but he ended all of that for Emily and it's so interesting to realize that they began so scandalously I know because their relationship is so straight laced like it's so straight yeah. edge and it's so prim and proper I don't know you forget that like your parents your grandparents we sort of spoke about this in the last episode that they like had lives before you and yeah. part of that life for Richard and Emily which Lorelai was even surprised by she didn't even know that information yeah. was sort of this like ooh you were the other woman yeah, it's very the, interesting Lorelai says the Helena Bonham Carter of the society set <laughs> because she just like here we have Emily who just seems like the perfect like pearls and Chanel suits sort of lady that like and turns her nose up at everything yeah she was out here trying to steal another lady's man snatch your man in a blue dress yeah she was and what i love about that scene is that they're sort of calling each other out because i don't i don't remember which one comes first but when he says like they're gonna think i was some kind of lothario and she's like you yeah were. he says that first yeah and then he's like i was engaged to another woman yeah you hussy <laughs> <laughs> they have they're like kind of explaining richard's past and then how he's a bit of a playboy, but then Emily was like, you know, stole another woman's man. I don't know if you can steal another woman's man. I don't know if I believe that, but that's kind of how it's being framed. People aren't possessions, but it just kind of like, it, it's giving you the vibes that, that she's not nearly as, you know, innocent as she... She's flirtatious, seducing in a blue dress. Like, I just like the, I want to see, I really want to see a scene where a young version of however they would cast a young Kelly Bishop shows up at a frat house in the 1950s or I guess early 60s at Yale. That's a TV show. I want to watch right I now. would absolutely watch that. There's an actress, her name, um, she's a French actress. Her name is Marion um, Cot- Cot- Cotillard. Cotillard. Yeah. Yes, thank you. She is who I would absolutely cast in that role. Really? I feel like she's a little bit old to be a college Emily, though. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. But this picture of her. Oh, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, she's a little old to play college age, but. Very true. But listen, they can do anything with makeup nowadays. Maybe like an Emily's mom who we never, that's another thing is we don't know anything about Emily's, uh, like her family life because she has a sister who lives in Europe, Mm -hmm. but she's only mentioned in one episode in season one. Yeah, we don't, we don't really know anything about Emily's life. We don't meet Emily's parents. We don't meet anything from her side of the family. Like there's all these cousins that they talk about, but we don't really know who they're related to. And Oh, totally. Even at the wedding vow renewal, there's like Aunt Totsy, but like you don't know if she's like an Emily aunt or a Richard aunt. Yeah, you don't really know who's here from whose side. Cousin Marilyn is there, but like... But Cousin Marilyn is very clearly on Richard's side because... Well, I'm assuming she's on Richard's side because she is... She was at Grand's funeral. She was at Grand's funeral and she... She's played by the same actress who plays Gran. So yeah, you, exactly. you're led to you're sort of led to believe that she's part of Richard's family. She's part of that family line. But that's like she's at the wedding while renewal and it seems like everyone from Richard's family is showing up. We don't really know who belongs to Emily. Yeah. So we don't know much about where she came from. And again, a Richard Emily prequel is what oh, we need. I'm going to watch the crap out of that. Yeah, because we have such a good representation of their relationship in the series because once they met, they had Lorelai in 1968 and just like everything. We got a little like glimpse of them when they were a little bit younger in Dear Emily and Richard because we get like young Lorelai and see that whole storyline play out. We see them when they show up and Lorelai's giving birth and Emily's yelling at her. Yeah. 
when what is it that she exactly says when she's yelling at her when you're having a baby you like tell your mother you say hello mother I'm having a baby please take me to the hospital or something like that something like that where it's like very formal yeah I love that well we get to see that we get to see that they were basically the same people you know like basically the same people that we know now when Lorelai was a teenager which I think is kind of the way they wanted the writers wanted to paint that picture because Lorelai speaks to how hard it was to live in that house and when you meet Emily and Richard and you see how prim and proper they are you're like yeah I could understand why that was probably a little stressful for someone who is clearly like didn't want to be on the conveyor belt as they talk about in application anxiety yeah. like didn't want that life for herself so she's a little bit more like edgy yeah Richard and Emily are clearly very straight and narrow and so I think that the writers wanted to paint that picture but what's interesting is in words less flashback they paint a very very different picture for us on how they met and what their youthful life was like yeah What I loved is that you sort of painted this picture for the TikTok world of the parallels between Richard and Logan, which no one ever in in my experience ever really thought to do. I know I didn't. That TikTok blew my mind. I loved that TikTok so much because I was like, holy shit, they are. They're so similar. You brought up so many valid points of the ways in which they're similar. And then subsequently, I don't know about anybody else out there, but I started thinking about all the ways in which Rory's relationship with Logan is similar to Emily's relationship with Richard because (laughs) because they call they kind of call her out in let the games begin for being the other woman and then she goes on to be the other woman in more than one relationship (laughs) in more than one relationship yes but specifically in the one with logan but that didn't happen till the revival so it's really really interesting the ways in which emily and richard and logan and rory have a lot of parallels whereas i feel like their relationship is never compared to that one yeah but richard and logan are so similar because when i posted that tiktok i thought i was saying something that was like every time i post one i'm like oh people (laughs) People know this. I love that that's Everyone's what you say every time you talk. You're like, when I posted that, I thought everybody was going to be like, ah, yeah, Haley, whatever yeah. we knew. No. I truly think that every time. And that was like the first TikTok of mine that like really blew up, that like grew my account so much. I think I said in the last one that like literally the next week I had like 30,000 more followers because people were like, I feel like that was like when people finally were like paying attention to the way that I was talking about Gilmore Girls rather than just the fact that I was on TikTok talking about Gilmore Girls, more about the fact that like I was pointing out all these parallels because because like someone once called me like the Nancy Drew of Gilmore Girls TikTok, which is why there's like a little detective next to my name on TikTok. Oh, because, I never knew that. That's so fun. Yeah, because I just like find all these like moments that make a lot of sense to me that I think people are just going to be like, duh, Haley. But the like overwhelming response was like, oh my God, I never thought about this. And it's like that style of video that I made was because early on, I saw a lot of people debating in the comments of like, well, that didn't happen like this. But putting in like clips from the show made it a lot more difficult for someone to disagree with you when you showed them like the cold hard evidence. Isn't that so funny? Yeah. And the reason that this video came about for me was because someone had commented on a different video saying that they really loved Richard, but they didn't like Logan because he was a rich preppy guy. And I was like, wait, like it was like the same comment and like they deleted it because I responded to it. I was like, Richard and Logan are like basically the same and maybe they didn't like my response to it. So they deleted it. So I couldn't respond to it when I made that video, but I made it anyways. You know who really loves this TikTok of mine is my dad. He's he's only ever seen Gilmore Girls just like because he lives in the same house with me because he raised me during 
during my Gilmore Girls era, which still has not ended 17 years later. <laughs> so he like knows a fair amount of the show. Yeah, just... my dad is the same way. He watches it. Like he'll he'll poke his head in. He'll sit down. He actually really likes the show a lot. He's yeah. like, it's so smart. It's so well written. It's very funny. I'm like, thanks, dad. <laughs> but he talks about the style of it is what he really loved because I was like, it was like very much like tricking you into thinking that we were about to talk about Logan because yeah. I was like, so you don't like that rich preppy guy from Yale. But then I show Richard. Well, that's what I love about the video is that with words, you allude to it being about Logan. And then the visual representation is about Richard. Yeah, because I start with like, oh, so you don't like that rich preppy guy from Yale. But then I show a clip of Richard. I'm like, oh, you don't like the guy who's with the Gilmore girl. And then I show a clip of Richard. He went to Yale. He's a playboy, proposed to his Gilmore girl at Yale and then engaged to another woman and he's still seeing his Gilmore girl and all of these end up with clips of Richard and these are all traits or plot lines in Logan's storyline and a lot of people that like really including my dad and most especially my dad because he brings it up all the time that he just like loved that like I was tricking you into thinking I was talking about Logan when it was obviously about Richard and I think that's why it was so it went viral because everyone was like ah I see what you did there Mm -hmm. you caught me you caught me because because it's kind of asking the question of a lot of people really hate Logan and for a lot of different reasons and one of them is because like they're like he's this rich preppy playboy who like if I met him in real life I would probably hate him but it's kind of asking the question of do you think you would hate Logan years from now like 40 years from now from the perspective of his relationship with his granddaughter mm-hmm. and now that he had been with someone for 40 years in the same way that Richard had and a lot of people were like yeah I probably would appreciate Logan a lot more and a lot of people were like wow you just made me really hate Richard a lot more. <laughs> Ooh, that was not the goal. But I was like, that's not what I thought I was doing here. I didn't know that I could do that. But no. um apparently I made a lot of are. people <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I made a lot of people not like Richard yeah. by pointing out, I guess, his like flaws, if you will. <laughs> I have been a Book of the Month member since 2019. Getting their signature bright blue box delivered to my door has been the most fun part of my month for years. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and to promote the work of emerging authors. Their editorial team reads hundreds of new titles, making it so easy to pick your next read. I only have to browse their highly anticipated selections to find my next favorite book. What did you end up picking for May? I picked a book I know is going to be the perfect beach, lake, park, back porch, basically outdoor sunny anywhere read. And that is The Paradise Problem. Oh my God, I loved that one. I know you love Christina Lauren, but this is actually my first time reading a book by them. The Paradise Problem is a bit like if Succession was a rom-com taking place during a wedding week on a tropical island. That is actually the perfect description for that book. Fans of our show will love it for the complex family relationships and the banter between these two as they fall in love. I cannot wait to take it to the park to read. What did you pick? Speaking of complex family relationships, I picked Real Americans by Rachel Kahn. This book takes a deep dive into the Chen family via a nonlinear storyline as Lily falls in and out of love, and 15 years later, her son Nick starts wondering who his biological father is. I love that we never stray too far from a good story of family drama, but all the books from Book of the Month are good, so you can't go wrong. You also can't go wrong with the price. New release hardcovers can be so expensive, but go to bookofthemonth.com and use code PASTEL to get your first book for just $5 this month only. That's code P-A-S-T-E-L at bookofthemonth.com to get your first book for $5 with free shipping always. 
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. so many other ways that like Richard and Logan are so similar. Richard has that lunch with um, Paris and Rory right before he introduces Paris to Asher Fleming. He's telling them how he had they had a really chubby roommate who they would tie between mattresses and they would throw him out the window every day for a month until he dropped out of Yale. And I'm just like, what? (laughs) What? Yeah. Who allowed you to do that? (laughs) And then in Teb Koppel's Big Night Out when Richard meets Marty, um, who I told you on Marco Polo, but like Marty in that scene so fucking hot I just there's just something that like I'm like I watched that last night and I was like am I a Marty girl (laughs) like seeing him come up and (laughs) like meet her family but all that aside he said like why did my daughter call you naked guy because he realizes that Rory told Laura Bly about it and he was like oh I was drunk I ended up naked in a hallway and he was like please I was naked for a month (laughs) (laughs) and you're like Richard what? And he was like, I was very popular with the ladies after that because he was protesting the dress code and yes, only wore a only silk wore tie, tie for a month, which is like funny to say, but like when you think about it, a month is a very long time to wear no clothes to school. I know, that's a like, long, <laughs> long time, but you could totally see Logan doing yeah. something like that. Yeah. Well, maybe totally. not so much Logan, but definitely Colin and Finn. Oh, yeah, for sure. Finn would do it without asking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Finn would do it even if he wasn't protesting the, the yeah, dress code. Yeah, exactly. But then we get that same vibe because like we have Logan who and but not as cute as Pushkin when he does that prank for Rory and Anna the Chilton girl who's with her and just like makes a joke out of it but then Richard completely swoops in yeah and I love that gets him right back I love that he gives it right back he's like yeah no 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 (laughs) no I invented this game yeah but in that same episode of um but not as cute as Pushkin Rory calls Logan um like a low-life butt-faced miscreant in let the games begin Richard lets us know that Emily called him a spineless jellyfish yes it's like that same sort of vibe of like when they don't get what they want or when they're upset by their preppy rich boy from Yale their like first thought is to like really juvenile insults or like really clean insults rather but I think the one that you have to take into account most profoundly in the parallels between Richard and Emily and Rory and Logan is that both men's mothers hated the girl that they were with yep did not want to be with them at all because Emily finds that letter when Gran dies of the Anne's dying when Gran died and she goes through all of her belongings and she's trying to take care of Richard by taking care of all of her estate and everything and she's going through all her papers and she finds the fucking carbon copy of a letter that Gran wrote to Richard the night before their wedding begging him to leave Emily at the altar but the things that she's saying in this is almost exactly what Shira Huntsberger says in But I'm a Gilmore when they go to dinner at the Huntsberger's house because in the letter that Gran wrote to or Trix rather if we want to refer to her as the way that Richard called her when Trix was like she doesn't have what it takes to be a Gilmore like she's a very lovely girl but she's not a Gilmore which is exactly what Shira says about 
worry is that she's a very lovely girl, but she has no idea what it means to be a Huntsberger. And so I feel like that's the most like like the biggest and most profound similarity between these two relationships is that despite their family's wishes, these boys still chose their Gilmore girl, despite the fact that they were made to feel like they weren't meant to be in their family. And to that end, I think that's probably why Emily lays into Shira so hard oh yeah in that episode where they have the like uh we've got magic to do thank you i didn't know the title of yeah it. in season six yes when they have the dar event one of my favorite episodes in season six and you know hearing you recount all those ways in which the the parallel between gran and shira is mm-hmm. is very very clear i have a feeling that once it was confirmed for emily because lorelei kind of told her but she did but for whatever reason she didn't believe it until she heard it from richard understand like the full impact of it until Mitchum well they were kind of in denial about it but once Mitchum owns it to Richard and Richard tells Emily Lorelai was right Ooh, I love that scene so much because Emily is such a savage but I do think it came from that place of like I know what it's like to be the Rory in this situation and how dare you I feel like that was really Emily's driving force to go I've been the Rory in this situation and how absolutely dare you say that she's not good enough for your family how exactly and we don't know what emily's life was like i mean she went to smith so clearly like i don't want to say her family had money but she was in some sort of academic and she was in some she very much like seems like a girl who was like bred from society like she's very much like a connecticut society girl what a twist it would be though if she wasn't yeah Mm. but either way i I think she talks about it i think she like like oh yeah because she had pearls on her on her invitation for her like 21st birthday birthday. yeah yeah right but at any rate you know regardless of where she came from or what her upbringing was she was very very adamant Shira was not going to treat her granddaughter the same way that she had been treated for many 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 years yeah and she's like as if we don't know Logan's reputation Mm mm-hmm she very much goes in on her as like almost as if she finally could tell tricks all of this bullshit that yes. she was thinking about her. One of my favorite things that she says is that Logan is always welcome at our house. Ugh. You're not going to be able to do anything to separate the fucking two of them, which is just like, I love how much of like a cheerleader she is for their relationship. Even if it's not that she wants Logan to be with her. Now it just seems like out of spite. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those two are going to be fucking walking down the aisle together. Like no one is team Logan. Like Emily was team Logan. Oh, that's so true. But you're right. It adds this extra layer to it to realize and recognize the parallels between those two relationships because Emily experienced firsthand in a way what it was like to be Rory in that situation and to have someone essentially. I mean, Emily didn't find out until years down the line. She knew that she knew that Grand Tricks didn't like her, but she didn't know why. And she and to that effect, something that I never really considered before is when Emily finds this out with Rory, it's it's a much more prolonged situation where she finds out that the Huntsburgers don't like her. She gets the internship and Mitchum Huntsberger puts her down. And then she kind of has this fallout of like, what the fuck am I going to do? She leaves Yale, like that sort of thing. And when Emily finds out years later that Trix wanted Richard to leave her um, the night before the wedding, he didn't very clearly because they've been married for 38 years right. at this point. She has a breakdown and can't handle well, it. She completely falls apart. And that's sort of the beginning of the the breakup between Richard and Emily. Yeah, I would say the beginning is really Ted Cobbles. When she finds out about Penelin Lot. But then she makes a comment about Penelin Lot when the when she's wasted in the afternoon, the yeah. day of Friends funeral, and she's like, But call Penelin Lot and thank her just for being Penelin Lot. <laughs> 
I think in the note, I think Gran says something about that he should be with Penelin Law, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering that correctly. In the same way that Shira was like, what about that lovely Fallon girl? Yeah. Have you talked to her recently? And he's like, no. You talk to her. <laughs> yeah. And I think that like we like can't dismiss like the whole Penelin Lot storyline mm-hmm. because in Ted Koppel's Big Night Out, there's that moment when she comes up to their tailgate and they're talking to her like very like, you know, very casually, very formally, very politely. And Lorelai comes up and she was like, oh, you were my almost mommy because she had just found out a couple episodes prior about, or not a couple episodes prior, she had just found out in like a full season earlier about Penelin Lot's existence. And in that moment, I'm so fucking mad at Lorelai because if Emily had come up to one of Luke's exes and it was like oh I was your almost mother-in-law or like something to that like sort of effect it was a little tactless yeah Lorelai would have been so mad and she was just like so confused why Emily was upset that she didn't want her to talk to her yeah but it's through Lorelai being Lorelai and talking to Penelon Lott that we find out that she knows a fair amount about Lorelai's life and ultimately that's how it's revealed that how does Penelon Lott know and it's that Richard has been seeing his ex-fiance every year since Emily and Richard got married and then in uh, the reigning Lorelai because Lorelai the first has died that's when we find out about the letter and that on top of that that Gran wanted Richard to leave and I think I would lose it a little bit too in that moment of like oh my god your mom asked you to leave me the night before our wedding but that's a huge win for Emily like I understood why she was upset I would have been rattled by that as well but he didn't yeah he didn't leave and now she's sorry to be morbid but like now she's dead so like you're fine yeah (laughs) you're in the clear (laughs) you won girly yeah Um. (laughs) yeah so you're his woman now I understood why she was insecure because because I think it just added insult to injury because we don't see the fallout of what happens between Emily and Richard when she confronts him about having lunch with Penelin every yeah. year. That's a huge, huge no-no. That was a huge error on Richard's part. Bringing it back to Rory and like it's like such like a small scale because it's not even for a full episode that Emily has this complete like out-of-body experience where she's in her nightgown drinking during the middle of the day, smoking, let the maid go. Like mm-hmm. Richard is sobbing in his stomach and Emily's falling apart in the living room and it falls on Lorelai to take care of this but there's this that like beautiful scene of Kelly Bishop just smoking and if we want to like vaguely parallel with moments of like after finding this out both Rory and Emily had a bit of a breakdown Emily's a lot more manageable Um, but yeah she has that great moment when she's like Lorelai's like what do you want to do with all of this and Suki comes in and asks if they want to have a what is it like a buffet in the dining room and she's like what do you think Penelin Lott would do like just call Penelin Lott Mm -hmm. ask her her opinion all of this and it's just Oh, it's so good. I love the amount of times that she says her name. Oh, yeah. I love how she says I her know. name. Just for being Penelin Lot and then she like throws an olive <laughs> in her drink it's amazing yeah. and you know to parallel that even further I know they're very different circumstances but it seems to be and this would be a deal breaker for me as well but everybody functions differently in relationships for both Emily and Rory it's the presence of other women in their partner's lives that seems to be like the big fat deal breaker Yeah, because with Logan obviously when they first start seeing each other they're not exclusive and then they decide to become exclusive when they have their fight who has their fight when Logan and Rory have their fight yeah the night that Jess shows up Mm -hmm. and they quote-unquote break up except it's kind of unclear that they've broken up he ends up sleeping with all the bridesmaids and Rory finds out about it like that's her breaking point as it would be for a lot of people 
and for yeah. Emily. But that's also another situation of finding out about it in a very indirect way where like they break up in October, Logan sleeps with them like in Thanksgiving and Christmas and then they get back together at the end of January and then Honor's wedding is like February, March and then she finds out about it from the bridesmaids Well, that's what themselves. I was going to say. It yeah. seems like it doesn't come from, it's not just about the presence of other women. It's the fact that it doesn't come from them. It doesn't come from their yeah. partners. So that trust and honesty is sort of fractured because yeah. they found out about it from these other women, whether directly or indirectly. And the bridesmaids, mm-hmm. they don't do it knowing that she was with him at the time. I think it's a little tasteless that they do it knowing that oh, they're together now. Absolutely. Yeah. Like what brats. I guess you could kind of say the same though for Penelin Lott. It's like, why come up and say hello or tell Lorelai if you both know it's a secret that you guys get together for this lunch every year. I'm not condoning it, but like if you guys are trying to keep it a secret, don't go up to the daughter of this couple yeah. and say like so I heard you're opening an inn she's gonna be like how did you know that yeah it's very much a Richard Logan thing where like neither of them are communicating to their partners but the women that they were with don't realize that this is a quote-unquote secret or something that they shouldn't say mm-hmm. I feel like it's a lot more understandable from Pennell and Lot's perspective of course if she didn't know that she wasn't supposed to tell them that like yeah. she probably wouldn't talk to them totally but you know she just kind of casually said it versus the bridesmaid who like shut your fucking mouth like, if you slept with my boyfriend don't tell me don't right now tell me and it, like even if we weren't together at the time we're together now I don't want to know that yeah. you all slept together but there was a completely oh different layer to it like if someone came up to you and like who had like slept with your boyfriend prior and like was telling you about it like oh yeah like when we hooked up before you guys were together I would be like okay why are you telling me this yeah thank you for this information that thank I you for this information drunk girl yeah exactly yeah but in those ways like you said Logan and Richard are two people who for the most part are seemingly honest and and direct and upfront and good solid strong partners yeah but they clearly have some things to work on and I think and a lot of people I know disagree with me on this I think that it's things that they ultimately get quote-unquote caught for that they don't express to their partner because they know it would have hurt them it was in my opinion very clear that they were broken up yeah and there should have been a conversation that I definitely would have had of were you with other women I know your past like I trust you when we were together but like what happened they needed to have a lot of conversations because that was made clear due to the fact that between the car ride from emily and richard's home to the bar where they met jess there was seemingly no conversation about the context no conversation of, there. of how she knew jess and it b- yeah. boiled over and then caused this breakup quote-unquote to begin with the fact that rory didn't know because that's really what hurt and that's really what hurt in the, the richard situation is that you didn't tell me like you let me get into the situation where I found this out in such a way that like it was finding out that was painful which I think that's kind of Rory Gilmore's MO is when she has a really painful feeling she starts to project it onto the other things around her rather than dealing with like the root of the issue which is like she was really hurt that Logan didn't tell her about this was she as hurt that Logan slept with these girls months and months ago and is very clearly committed to her now and that's the way it was sort of painted by the writers was that she was more upset about him sleeping with other women and it was painted as like this oh you cheated on me like you didn't just cheat yeah. on me you really cheated really on me really cheated on me and it's me. like no that wasn't the problem it was that he wasn't honest with you because I feel like a lot of worries I guess heartbreak and pain in these moments and maybe it's good writing maybe it's just maybe it's bad writing I can't tell of like I think that worries hurt really comes a lot deeper she projects it onto like more surface level things so that she doesn't have to like say exactly what she's feeling which is that I'm hurt by your lack of communication I'm hurt that you let me get into a situation where I could get hurt which is the exact 
exact situation that Emily's in 38 years later. I was going to say, I feel like Emily is very, very similar in that capacity because obviously the letter was very jarring and he clearly got that letter, read that letter, why he would tell her about that. Cause that's just hurtful. And like, yeah. maybe information that she didn't need to know yeah. but maybe it wasn't so much the content of the letter which I think was in and of itself upsetting it was also that Richard didn't tell her yeah and Emily when it comes to Emily and Richard's fights like if you if you pinpoint all the ones that we love to see but that we have seen that have been exposed to us they seem to be about more surface level things in the same way that you were just speaking to Rory's tendencies and relationships when it comes to that kind of stuff because like what I'm thinking about is when uh, the episode presenting Lorelai Gilmore in season two when Rory mm-hmm. has her coming out ceremony and Richard is just like he does not want to go and he keeps calling Emily's social events frivolous parties yeah and they're having all of these arguments it's not that he's not coming to these things it's that he's not supporting her and he's making yeah. it seem like she just sits at home and sips tea all day and doesn't do any for life yeah that's the root which, of the problem which he knows is not the case like I feel like of like for Emily to have such like a you know like a traditional head of the household sort of role Richard only in times of conflict kind of not like makes fun of her belittles her for it of like party planning and sipping tea and like going to get her hair done and it's like I feel like it's very reflective of how a marriage that lasts that long will have an argument you're just sitting around all day Mm -hmm. but like I think that he is like very supportive and proud of her when they're at like their peak when they're at their good moments I know again I think that that argument was about the fact that he was upset about things at work right and projecting those things onto their relationship and their marriage and and we see Logan do that too especially in season season six when he gets stressed at work specifically with his dad he takes that out on his relationship with Rory a lot well maybe not a lot but like does he it might actually be in season seven because you know that I don't know the latter seasons as well as you do remember when he sort of like fucks up (gasps) Oh, yeah that okay that's actually i will say in late season seven it's it is his, late season seven i am kaya kira me it's his yes. 25th birthday yeah and he has that moment where someone calls him and says that they're being sued because it was just like they're waiting for someone with big pockets to come in yeah and that's actually when i like kind of stop watching season seven really because yeah because uh, it just goes downhill. I think that's when they lose who Logan's character has become. They like do this weird thing where they like build him up only to tear him back down, but they don't do it in like a meaningful way. Yeah. Because he starts treating Rory in a way after that episode that I don't think is very true to who Logan is. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Where he like is like going to Vegas with Colin and Finn and he skips Lane's baby shower. Yeah. And he shows up in um, Mia's wedding. Was, is it North Carolina? where he Fake Mia's wedding. Fake Mia's wedding to <laughs> like tell Rory that he left the company which I don't think he would have ever done that in an Amy Sherman Palladino version of season seven which is neither here nor there but like he does start to take out his frustrations on Rory like you mentioned I'm like hesitant to yeah, include, to include that because I know you're like oh season seven we don't count yeah. it and listen I don't count it yeah. anyways either but that was what stuck out to me was I was like there is a moment and I can see them like sort of yeah. in there in the apartment that they live in together and he's at the computer and like yeah. Mitchum bursts in and you can tell that there's just so much tension being built up that I feel we love when Mitchum bursts into a house that he owns that Logan's staying in oh yeah <laughs> during Vineyard Valentine that yeah, but which is also the apartment in New York that he has to move out of because Mitchum is also paying for that right I just remember that so vividly and feeling like that chapter large or small in their relationship was him sort of doesn't he come home he's wasted and he needs to make a sandwich in like, yeah. like two in the morning yeah and that's those are the moments that I'm thinking of but I will say to your point that's not that's very out of character 
easier for him. Um, But I will also say that like Richard taking out his frustrations about work on Emily is also kind of out of character. That's not that's not the norm for him. Like he does it in season two a little bit before he retires. I struggle with the idea of like quote unquote like out of character. Yeah I meant it more in the context of like of Richard as a character and who what his normal tendencies are not necessarily out of character from a writing perspective yeah but I, I just kind of like saying. yeah I I just addressed like an out of character moment on my TikTok about Luke so I like I'm I always struggle when people are like oh I don't like this moment because it feels out of character and I see it more of like a I think that you don't like it because you don't like the truth that it's telling about this person that they're trying to reveal about them and to me like the one that you mentioned of presenting Laura like Gilmore it is like an out of character in like it's like in that we've he, never seen it before we've never seen this before yeah. but it seems like a logical reaction, reaction for somebody that, who's under a lot of stress for, at work for them and yeah someone them. who in like the subsequent episodes ends up revealing that he's retired that he's left his job yeah when you brought up fighting i thought you were gonna bring up a lot of season four um and early season five because that's like some of my favorite richard emily, emily and richard because i will say in terms of like conflict i always like struggle because obviously you know this i read a lot of romance novels what uh <laughs> what you do what <laughs> surprise i read a lot um and like i love trashy romance novels like get me on kindle unlimited i could be there for hours but one of the things that really bothers me is the way that they bring about conflict that just doesn't feel natural and so i think that's one of the reasons i love emily and richard so much is because season four conflict to their separation that happens at the beginning of season five is so fucking good because we have the ted couple's big night out where we find out about penelin lot and the lunches every year since they were married crazy and then we get the moment of the reigning Lorelai when Emily reads the letter from Grant and then that escalates because ultimately in that episode Emily kind of comes back down to earth for who else but for Richard she gets her act together and she shows up for her she shows up for her man mm-hmm. which is what I love so much about that but then the next step of that is an after boom when we find out about the fact that uh Richard is pushing out Jason and kind of ruining his life and Emily thinks that he should find another way because in doing so they're going to push away Lorelai and it's another moment when we see like you mentioned in the last episode where Richard is more like geared towards taking care of Rory it feels like he's kind of like lets his relationship with Lorelai be what it is Emily is panicked because she's like no 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 like we just got her where we can talk to her in like a normal yeah everything's finally okay yeah yeah like we worked so hard for this with her like you're going to ruin this and it kind of feels like she's like you're gonna ruin this for me like I really want this relationship with her it seems like Richard's kind of like this is what we're gonna do like sorry that you don't agree with it and then when it like actually happens and because they show up for that dinner and it seems like they're just like trying to push him out the door and Emily leaves and like slowly they like announce that they're separating because like they all of these conflicts are kind of like too much for them to overcome and also it was all that was all sitting on top of the fact that Emily was already frustrated with the partnership that that Jason and Richard had and she was starting to watch Richard change you know he was get he grew a mustache and he was like not doing the dinner parties he was gonna take them on a trip to like the casino or something which I think is interesting in that because Emily was really like that really chafed her because she was used to being like the company wife Mm -hmm. like taking care of those things yeah but she came around to it and she kind of came around to this idea of Jason and then the moment that she kind of did and was potentially going to be okay with the Jason Lorelai thing Richard switched on her and was like no 
going back to the old thing, like right as she was getting used to something. Yeah. So she was like being shaken up again by this decision that he was making that was affecting the both of them. And it sounds like she kind of hit this point where she's like, I don't even know who you are anymore. Who are you? Yeah. Like, who is this man who's standing in front of me? Which is tough in marriages. But I think our generation is a little more apt to understanding that. Like, we grow and we evolve and we change. Whereas marriages that started, you know, in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. Even even up until, like, the end of the 20th century. Like, yeah. They all expect it to kind of remain the same and to grow together. And and there's something really beautiful about that. But there are going to be periods of time where your partner grows in like a little bit of a different direction and you have to navigate that. And for two people who grew up in such a different time, I feel like that was really hard. I have been a Book of the Month member since 2019. Getting their signature bright blue box delivered to my door has been the most fun part of my month for years. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and to promote the work of emerging authors. Their editorial team reads hundreds of new titles, making it so easy to pick your next read. I only have to browse their highly anticipated selections to find my next favorite book. What did you end up picking for May? I picked a book I know is going to be the perfect beach, lake, park, back porch, basically outdoor sunny anywhere read. And that is The Paradise Problem. Oh my god, I loved that one. I know you love Christina Lauren, but this is actually my first time reading a book by them. The Paradise Problem is a bit like if Succession was a rom-com taking place during a wedding week on a tropical island. That is actually the perfect description for that book. Fans of our show will love it for the complex family relationships and the banter between these two as they fall in love. I cannot wait to take it to the park to read. What did you pick? Speaking of complex family relationships, I picked Real Americans by Rachel Kong. This book takes a deep dive into the Chen family via a nonlinear storyline as Lily falls in and out of love, and 15 years later, her son Nick starts wondering who his biological father is. I love that we never stray too far from a good story of family drama, but all the books from Book of the Month are good, so you can't go wrong. You also can't go wrong with the price. New release hardcovers can be so expensive, but go to bookofthemonth.com and use code PASTEL to get your first book for just $5 this month only. That's code P-A-S-T-E-L at bookofthemonth.com to get your first book for $5 with free shipping always. Speaking to that point, I know that we don't really like to acknowledge season seven. What? I feel... (laughs) Surprise. And I especially don't like to acknowledge the end of Rory and Logan's relationship because I don't think it's authentic to the show. But that's kind of like what ends them is that Rory doesn't really know what she wants to do. She kind of wants the freedom to change and make up her own mind about sorts of things. And she doesn't want to be tied down and telling someone that like my life is going to be a lot more enjoyable to be able to like figure out what I want to do without you in it oh painful so painful like the idea of like yeah that they're they ended ultimately because Rory didn't want to change with Logan she wanted to be able to change on her own which like more power to you if you're 22 years old and want to figure that out of course I'm really really glad that you brought that up though because I told Haley this I openly admit this to her that yesterday I spent the first hour of my morning going through every single one of her TikToks all the way Tara's my biggest stand all the way back (laughs) kicking it back a whole year and when she saw my hair change dramatically I did her hair just kept getting darker and darker (laughs) 
And I was like, oh, that's right. This is what Haley looked like when I first laid eyes on yeah. her. But I'm glad you brought up the ending of Rory and Logan because something that you said in one of your, actually in many of your TikToks. Yeah, I talk about, I talked about this moment for like two weeks straight last summer. I have so many videos on this. <laughs> Which I completely understand, especially because season seven takes a deep turn. But something that you said that really spoke to me and sort of speaks to this topic is that you did not think that the writers ever set Logan and Rory up to the end game. No. Which is so interesting as a team Logan girly that you never really thought that they were set up to be endgame which sort of speaks to some of the ways in which Logan and Rory are very opposite from Richard and Emily. I again like a lot of the opinions and thoughts that I have about the trajectory of Gilmore Girls and the various characters storylines when I was watching this for the first time as a teenager I wanted those two to end up together like I wanted like air in my lungs. It's the same for me with me with Team Jess totally. Yeah like I would rather swallow like a smoothie of wet concrete and have my funeral at lunchtime then not have these characters end up together (laughs) you know I'm gonna get that put on a t-shirt okay (laughs) (laughs) because I just was so obsessed with like mainly with Logan but like again like as we've discussed I was like a little Rory Gilmore obsessed with school and like totally saw myself being in this sort of relationship I'm 29 and spoiler alert I never ended up with a relationship like the one with Logan Huntsberger but I'm still holding out hope not yet Yeah, I'll find my Logan Huntsberger. Don't you besties worry. Besties, don't worry. She's going to find. To that effect, as I've gotten older, I have realized the seeds that they sowed throughout Rory and Logan's relationship that like these two were never going to end up together. Like at least not in the way that we wanted them to, which is like in the Richard and Emily sense of like married for 40 years of wedding vow renewal of the century, like where they just have like the most happy of endings. Um, And we get a little glimpse of them like that, which is like an episode that either you love to hate or you hate to hate or you love to love which is season six episode 15 of vineyard valentine when lorelei and luke and emily and logan (laughs) that would have been interesting (laughs) all of emily's dreams would have come true i was like i had to pause for a second and be like what just what what just just happened like what in the fan fiction just happened oh my god that would be amazing if emily and logan and luke and lorelei all went to martha's vineyard together for a romantic getaway um Rather, Luke and Lorelai and Rory and Logan are all at Martha's Vineyard. And we see them kind of acting like this old married couple. Like they had been to Martha's Vineyard a lot. They're having this argument about who gets to read what portion of the newspaper. They got up and got pastries. They go to the gym while they're there, which is wild and weird. But they do that. And it just seems like they... And like Rory's obviously cooked in this kitchen before. And you get this sense of that, you know, like they could be this old married couple that we like so desperately love. And Richard and Emily, because Rory at that point says these could be the ones and you can very easily see her future panning out in a very similar way to Richard and Emily's and of course Rory having like a different sort of career path and lifestyle than Emily herself had because she very much wants some sort of career at this point in a way that Emily was happy to work out of the home Mm -hmm. a housewife which is completely fine to be but that's just what she wanted for her life but we know that that's not how they end. And I actually think that they were never going to end up together. They were like, not like star-crossed lovers in the traditional tragic sense of it, but like that, like I feel like I'll have to like dedicate a whole episode to my theory of how like Rory and Logan beginning, like their relationship really taking shape and you jump, I jump, Jack. And what does Rory, I said this on a TikTok there, but like that quote is from Titanic. Like if you wanted two characters to end up together when they grab hands and make this leap into, seems like they're making a leap into 
into a relationship, the start of a relationship. It doesn't exactly start then. But like, I wouldn't have them quote fucking Titanic, you know? Like, yeah, where we all know the ending to that story. Yeah, you jump, I jump, Jack. Like, yeah. no, Jack, Jack sinks to the bottom with the boat. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, that's how that ends. Oh, no. If you haven't seen Titanic, this is a bit of a spoiler alert for that one. And fun fact, uh, Titanic is actually Haley's favorite movie. Yeah, it is. Um, Which came first? Jack or Logan? Jack or Logan, I don't know. Um, but yeah, that is my favorite movie and I've seen it equal amounts of times that I have to Gilmore Girls because if you haven't noticed by now, I have an obsessive personality. So if I like something, I like it until it becomes my personality. <laughs> Which is totally valid and I am standing right next to you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's, that's why we're I, here. I imagine, I imagine if you're listening to this podcast and love Gilmore Girls in the same way that we do, you relate to that a fair amount. Yeah, totally. But like to that effect, like to have, because Daniel Palladino wrote You Jump by Jump Jack, to have Rory saying that to Logan as they're jumping, which of course, like they're standing at the top of scaffolding, her saying You Jump by Jump Right, like to quote two people who fall into a tragic romance, like as you're beginning a romance with the boy that you're grabbing hands with. Basically what you're saying is You Jump by Jump Jack, which is where they start. It's showing the audience that they are a means to an end. Exactly. Which is so interesting because for as many ways in which, you know, Rory and Logan are paralleled to Emily and Richard, which I don't think people talk about enough, there are many ways in which they're very different. And I know yeah. that you Jump High Jump Jack was sort of the first iteration of the beginnings of their relationship. Yeah. I feel like in the storyline, it's like pushing them together and you Jump High yeah. Jump Jack, like kind of teasing them as like Logan's like now this like flirty person in her life. Because obviously she was with Dean. Yeah. She ends things in the next episode, but things really kick off for them. Like they like act on these flirtations in Wedding Bell Blues, which is, of course, Emily and Richard's wedding vow renewal after they've been separated for so long. And she went on the date with Simon McLean. And this this huge conflict that has been brewing for them for a season, it seems, is now settling down in this beautiful wedding vow renewal where Rory and Logan start their relationship. Start at least the first leg of their relationship. It's the first time that Rory is like, girls just want to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting is she has that conversation with her dad. He's kind of the one that's like, yeah, did I ever tell you about how your mom kissed me for the first time? And this is what makes her go up to Logan and they have this dance of like, don't you like me a little? And we have another person who's like telling Rory that she's special. I feel like we should make a compilation of all of the times that someone says that Rory's special. And it's true. Everyone thinks that Rory's special and everyone, I feel like everyone goes into, or at least at some point in a relationship with Rory Gilmore, thinks of her as the one, which we talked about a lot in the Boyfriends episode of like, everyone's just very taken with her. I love this conversation that they're having on um, the dance floor. But this is when their relationship kicks off and it kind of feels like, oh, we're starting their relationship in this really romantic moment for Emily and Richard. Is this the direction that their relationship is going to take? But their relationship begins like Lorelai and Christopher's. So Which I think is the more common parallel people like to make. Yeah, definitely. And it, it kind of seems like there's this moment of like, it could go either way of like, yeah, right. are we having this moment begin in a romantic moment of Emily and Richard's because they're going to have this like, you know, Rory's this like well-educated girl and Logan is this Yale boy, like the rich preppy boy from Yale who they're going to have a relationship like Emily and Richards or God forbid, <laughs> Jim and Shira. Jesus, yeah. Or is this going to be a Lorelai and Chris where Logan's this reckless 
guy who's come into Rory's life and makes her like you know brings out a little bit of the wild side of her and they go down the path of her parents and I think a lot of people draw the parallel of Chris and and Lorelai for a multitude of reasons but because people love to compare Rory and Lorelai they're always kind of looking for clues and hints as to who could play the role of say Luke and Christopher and Max Medina like oh this is her Jason oh this is her Luke this is her Christopher right and not really acknowledging it's it's a mix of all of them it really is and there are ways in which all of them can sort of flip-flop you've had a lot of TikToks about how Lorelai and Logan are two sides of the same coin and we spoke to this a couple episodes ago that Jess and Lorelai are very similar and that Rory has a tendency to sometimes be like her dad we talked about that in the last episode there are so many bit of a taker yeah yeah there are so many so many different ways in which that could go I do think there are a lot of similarities between Lorelai and Chris and Rory and Logan but namely I think we talked about this in the last episode the way that the revival ends I think is why people are like oh Logan is her Christopher because clearly she's pregnant clearly Logan is the father of the baby which again Uh, I don't even know why that's a debate we talked about that last Uh, episode there's a video of I don't remember where the interview's from where Matt Zucre talks for like he like espouses for like seven minutes why we should not be bothered that we don't have like a certain distinct answer about who the father is and I'm like because he knows because Amy Sherman Paladino Mm -hmm. told him who the father was and I'm like it's you stop talking you don't have to keep going on about this it's you it's you're the papa you're the father (laughs) quiet down daddy You're the papa. Who's the papa? You're You're the papa. Who is the father? Like very Maury. Like you You are the father father of this baby. baby. (laughs) Yeah. He's the he's the dad. Yeah, he's He's the daddy. He is the daddy. He is the daddy, isn't he? He he is he is a daddy. He is the ultimate daddy. Well, Milo. But anyway, even if you sort of take it back, and we may have talked about this in the last episode, I love that episode where uh, you've been Gilmore when Rory has to move in with Logan because Paris kicked her out because she became the editor of the Yale Daily News and her dad comes to visit and he ends up meeting Logan for the first time since Wedding Bell Blues. And you find out- Yeah, I love when he acknowledges that and he's like, it's nice to meet you. And Chris is like, we've met before and Logan's like, I know, but but I was was literally about to fuck your daughter when- trying to make it a little less awkward but here we are yeah <laughs> um but they find out that they have so much in common and i think that was yeah. also kind of the start of people comparing christopher and logan so much in common that like not good things like as we said before it was like all getting kicked out of like every single prep school boarding school in like the tri-state area and beyond like that like they were they were like bonding over how reckless they were as kids of course but also i think it's it's it also has to do with their relationships with their dads whose relationship with whom's dads logan and christopher both having very similar relationships with their fathers you know yeah i think that you know mitchum clearly puts a lot of pressure on logan and i think that that's sort of that's the supplemental material we have and sort of the reference we have for the way that chris was probably treated by his dad at that age lorelei getting pregnant at 16 kind of broke that pressure a little bit with strobe and that he made this decision and he doesn't really live up to the potential that strobe had for him and the expectations because of this moment so he's kind of been and like meandering through life trying to figure it out never quite failing because he comes from a rich family whereas Logan like that pressure never breaks because he never like I don't want to say like fucks up in the way that like Lorelai and Chris end up having a child because I don't want to refer to Rory in that way oh, of regardless not. of if there are many people who would yeah. um, but Logan's like that tension just never stops and like he doesn't really have like a good relationship with his dad which we talked about where like Stroh where he feels like there was always a wall up with his dad which Logan can fully relate to because we get to know Mitchum a fair amount who 
who's just what a fucking asshole great character a very so very well written character oh my but god but again i think very paralleled to strobe because we sort of get a taste yeah. of that in the first couple seasons and i don't even know if we need to necessarily parallel them directly to strobe but more of just like the the way that they were raised yes together. yes like, the pressure very, not necessarily the character because yeah. we don't get to know strobe well enough to make those no. decisions but based on what we're told the wealthy background the expectations for their future like but also that they pressured them so much that they didn't want to be a part of the company that there was a path yeah. paved for them speaking to your point earlier about yeah. logan yelling at rory in the middle of the bar and saying there is one door and i'm being shoved through it that's sort of how christopher's yeah. life was built you know and yeah. he ends up trying to go down a different path and i think logan does as well correct me if i'm wrong well, you know better than i i mean in season seven he's seemingly gonna go down a different path yeah. he kind of starts to make his own path in season seven which i don't know if i really fully believe in but to this point of like wanting to fight against what your parents have for you this is another moment of like where i feel like logan is a lot like lorelei mm -hmm. and like a lot of people don't really give i guess credit to the writers on the show for making really well-rounded characters where all of the people in their lives would impact them and that they wouldn't have like perfectly parallel relationships like chris being logan rory being lorelei lou being jess it's rory's informed by chris logan ends up being a lot like lorelei because of course rory's going to end up dating someone who's like her father but be attracted to the, like being with this person who was a lot like the person that raised her because like as much as like try as we might we all end up with someone who's vaguely like our parents in some Absolutely. way like for the for the good or the the bad yeah. however that pans out and the same with like richard was this really big prominent figure in rory's life so of course like the person that she ends up with like dating for like i'd say logan's her longest relationship five six and seven mm -hmm. and part of the revival um though that relationship is not going so well um, but it is a moment of rory being with logan when he was with another woman mm -hmm. i will say a lot of people got really irritated at the tiktok because they thought that it insinuated that richard was the same level of cheater that logan was oh, which i don't think no 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 i don't think that's true but that's part of the problem is that i do feel like the fandom and i i will include myself in this at some points in my life before i became a writer and before i started dissecting things from like a very from a very different angle. psychotic <laughs> yeah <laughs> from a very different angle i i think that we sort of look at the surface of all of it i think that it's really easy though because like a lot of the times when you watch a tv show like you don't want to think too much about what characters are sure. doing and like what impacts them and like i think this is like i which i've said before about the way that jess changes it's really prepackaged and fed to you so like you don't really have to consider any of like the background that went into him changing you can just accept yeah. it and so i think that the way that amy has talked about this show in interviews where she talks about full circle moments and things characters being like other characters you don't want to really like think about much beyond it because she's not going to sit and give her thought process on every single character every time she gives an interview of about course, it now we're here to speculate about it yeah that's what we're here for <laughs> you know We've got plenty of time on our hands. We want her to come on point for point for every episode of the podcast and tell us exactly what she was thinking. Yeah, what, what were your intentions here? But yeah. I, I think that that brings up a very valid point that she she sort of opened this door for the fandom to be like, oh, there are full circle moments. There are parallels here. So of course, yeah. it's like you said, prepackaged and easy to digest. So and I don't want to say that anyone's like, oh, dumb no, no, for no, no, accepting no, no. Only those. Again, I include myself in that. Yeah, that it's just like you hear this from the writer themselves. You're like, oh, 
oh, well, nothing else is true, rather than like taking a closer look on how these writers were so good to create like a lifelike character. Because one of the like things that like I struggle with is a lot of people look at these characters of like from like the point of view of having like natural human tendencies and like natural human behaviors and the way that they act, but they have to be written like that. And I think it's a testament again to the writing that she's created such well-rounded, deep, complex characters who impacted on all of the things that happened in their life and to only look at it from the perspective of like again like Luke and Jess being the same Rory and Lorelai being the same and Chris and Logan being the same is like simplifying these really complex well-written delicious deep characters by only allowing them to be that one single parallel that seems to make sense from a very surface level yeah that's why I love talking about the show is because I feel like I'm finally able to talk about this show in the way that I think about it and in the way that I think it was designed to be it was designed to go a little bit deeper and what I love about the content that you've created on TikTok is that you've really encouraged people in the fandom to think outside the box and you've sort of built this arsenal of beautiful parallels yeah to choose from that (laughs) yeah that are like really really solid and really strong but something we've talked about off screen off the pod is that not everything's a parallel not everything's a parallel and we have more to say on that next week yeah next week Make sure you subscribe to us on whatever platform you're currently listening to us on now because we will have a new episode out every Tuesday as we always have more to say. And if you have more to say, find us on Instagram at Gilmore to Say Podcast where there'll also be more to see. We're going to the pictures. You get an update on the wall beforehand. Yes, I love this. <laughs> I hope you put this in the pod. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.